This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Oh, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, Lord, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine in my neighbor. Thank you for the power 
of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you that you have chosen each one of us and you have washed us in, your, in the blood of your Son. Lord, that you have forgiven us, that you have cleansed us. Lord, help us to always be pleasing in your sight. Lord, not just outwardly, but let the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Lord, you're looking to conform your people to the image of your son, Lord. And Father, we want to be those that will be still on the will in your hands, Lord. Not moving and not fighting against the process that you're bringing us through. But Lord, yielding to your spirit, knowing that, Father, you know what you're doing, Lord. Even at times when it may hurt, even at times when we may not understand, even at times, Lord God, when we may not even feel your hands molding us and, and moving in our lives. Lord, we know that you're always working in our lives to conform us to the image of your son. You're always taking out things that's not like you, stripping us of things that are opposed to your will and things that will cause us to be out of your will, Lord, and you're taking those things out of us, the old way of thinking, the old way of doing things, the old way of looking at the world and those around us, Lord, you're giving us a newness of life, and so, Father, we thank you right now, Lord, and we praise your name because, Lord, we know that, Lord, that you will keep that which we have committed unto you against that day, Lord, we have committed ourselves unto you, Lord, against that day, and we thank you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. I need somebody to look up for me right quick. If you have to Google it, uh, where Paul said, I keep under my body and I make it my servant. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Amen. Where the Bible scholars at? Just Google. Get your Google and just put in there, I beat my body. Amen. I believe it's 1 Corinthians chapter 9, but I'm not for certain about that. So I don't want to give you the wrong scripture. Amen. Amen. 9 and 27. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. <clears throat> this is the Apostle Paul talking here, and he's saying that the struggle, he's addressing the struggle that he's gone through in his life, and he also says, let's read uh, from verse 19, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19, everybody there? All right, for though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law. Paul was relatable to people. That I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law, or without law, as without law. Being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ. That I might gain them that are without law. Verse 22, to the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things unto all men, that I might by all measure save some. How many understand what we've read so far? Paul was saying that he is relatable. He doesn't make people think that he's way up 
here and you're way down there. Even though he was an apostle, he could relate to everyone in all of their experiences. Verse 23 says, And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Know ye not that they which run in a race. How many know that we're in a race? They which run in a race run how many? All. We're all running in a race. But one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. He's talking about in a natural race, only one can receive the prize. But how many know that all of us can receive a reward from the Lord? He said, and every man that striveth for the mastery is what? Temperate. What does that mean? That means that he has self-control. And if you look at an athlete, what they do? They eat right. They get the proper rest. And they take care of their body. Isn't that right? So if we're going to run this Christian race, what do we need to do? Huh? And just like that athlete takes care, just like I talked about Sunday, in the natural realm, there are laws and principles that also apply in the spiritual realm. And so just like that athlete has to take care of his body if he wants to be able to compete, if he wants to be a competitor, and if he wants to reach that finish line, he has to take care of his or her body. Verse 25 says, And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. He said every man. How many? Every man. And the Bible says in God there is neither male nor female. It's not about gender, but it's about those that are chosen. Isn't that right? And so we're all, everybody in here has to monitor their body and take care of their spirit, man. Isn't that right? And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in how many things? In all things. I can't take care of one area of my life and then let the other area slip. I can't take care of my diet and then not get enough rest. I can't take care of my diet and not get enough rest and then go and be around the wrong people, listening to the wrong stuff. Isn't that right? Now they do it to do what? To obtain a corruptible crown. What is a, a corruptible crown? One that's going to decay. Tiger Woods just got a, 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 a trophy the other day. He got his green jacket. But how many know that one day that green jacket is going to have mold and mildew and it's not going to be any more good? And that trophy that he got is going to fall apart one day. Because everything in this world will fall apart. So they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we what? An incorruptible crown. Peter said that there's an inheritance laid up for us in heaven that does what? That fades not away. Verse 26 says, I therefore, now this is Paul talking about himself. He said, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly. You ever seen somebody on a track and they're running in a straight line, isn't that right? There are perimeters that we are to run in. How many know what I'm talking about? That, that, that runner on that track, when they have those, those lines, he, him or her stays in those lines. And they run in those lines, isn't that right? He doesn't run here. And he doesn't run over there, and then she's running this way, and she's running that way. No, she's staying where it's marked out. We have to say where God has marked it out for us, where we're supposed to operate, where we're supposed to run. We have to stay in our own lane that God has established for us, and that lane is the word of God. David said that he, he what did he say? He said, keep my feet wet. In your word, all of my steps. In your word, every step that I take, whether it be on my job, it should be in his word. 
Whether it be at home, it should be in his word. Everything that I do, I need to apply the word of God in my life if I want to run and reach the finish line. Isn't that right? All right. Verse 26. I therefore so run not as uncertainly, so fight I not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that, now listen to this, this is some sobering words. He said, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Did you hear what he said? He said, I keep under my body. The one thing that can get me tripped up, the one thing that can sidetrack you and I is our body. And what am I talking about? I'm talking about our desires. I'm talking about that flesh. I'm talking about those things that we long for. I'm talking about those things that nobody may not see, but yet we meditate on. I really like to do that. And even sometimes those, those wrong things that we meditate upon, those things can get us sidetracked. Those things can cause us to miss the will of God for our lives because a lot of times you and I, we stand in our own way. God has already told us how to live, but yet I desire to do this. I desire to go there. I desire to partake in this. I desire to experience that. See what I'm saying? And our own desires trips us up. Isn't that right? But yet when we spend time in the presence of God and get his heart, then his desires become our desires. His motives become our motives. Isn't that right? So really the battle is not out here. Some, some guys might say, well, if she hadn't dressed that way, then I wouldn't have sinned. It's not her. She's not the problem. You're the problem because you have not taken care of your flesh. Because you have not crucified your flesh, and that's the reason why that you're being tripped up because of your own what? Your own self. Amen. Turn with me to Numbers. I want to show you uh, a little something. <laughs> All right. That should have told him something right there. 
Verse 29, and Balaam said unto the ass, because thou hast mocked me, I would there were a sword in my hand, for now would I kill thee. Now you want to kill the donkey. And, and the donkey said unto Balaam, am I not thine donkey, upon which thou hast ridden ever since I was thine unto this day? Was I ever want to thee, uh, so unto thee? And he said, nay. Then the Lord opened the eyes of who? Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand, and he bowed down his head and fell flat on his face. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Wherefore hast thou smitten thine, with the donkey there, these three times? Behold, I went out to withstand thee, because thy way is perverse before me. He was crooked. And the donkey saw me and turned from these three times. Unless she had turned from me, surely now I had slain thee and saved her life. Balaam was about to get killed. And Balaam said unto the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I knew not that thou stoodest in the way against me. Now therefore, if it displease thee, I will get me back again. I'll go again. I'll stop what I'm doing and turn around. And the angel of the Lord said unto Balaam, Go with the men, but only the word uh, uh, that I shall speak unto thee, that shall thou speak. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. Now Balak had employed Balaam, which was a sorcerer, and to curse the children of Israel. He had sent money to him to curse the children of Israel. But God told him, you're not going to be able to say anything against them except what I tell you to say. You're not going to be able to curse them because I bless them. And how many know what God has blessed? Nobody can curse. No witch, no warlock, no black candle burning person. Nobody can curse what God has already blessed. And so Balaam, uh, he was going about in a, in a futile journey. And so he, the angel of the Lord stood before him, but he couldn't see at that time because all he could see was the mission that he was on. But God said, this thing is not going to prosper. How many know that the Bible said that no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper and every tongue that shall arise against you in judgment you shall do what? Condemn. So God had, had blessed the children of Israel and when Balaam went out there to try to curse them he began to talk about how blessed they were and it was almost like oh no I'm not, I'm not meaning to say this but this is what I'm saying because I can't say anything except what the Lord has told me to say. He couldn't do nothing to curse the children of Israel. So Balak got mad, he got angry because he wouldn't curse the children of Israel. And so he said, okay, well, you know, I'm going to take all this money and, and you're not, you're not going to get paid. Huh? So he couldn't do anything against them. But let me show you something. Let me show you something. Look at uh, chapter 25. Numbers. Same book. Numbers 25. And Israel abode in Shechem, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. Isn't that right? And they called the people unto the sacrifice of their gods. Called what people? You know what people they call? The children of Israel. And the people did what? Did eat and bow down to their gods. 
And Israel joined himself unto Balak, and the anger of the Lord was kindled, where? Against Israel. And the Lord said unto Moses, take all the heads of the people and hang them up before the Lord against the sun, that the fierce anger of the Lord may be turned away from Israel. And Moses said unto the judge of Israel, slay ye what? Everyone. His men that were joined unto who? Baal of Peor. And behold, one of the children of Israel came and brought unto his brethren a Midianitish woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping before the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And, the, and Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw it. He rose up from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand. And he went where? After the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through. The man, the, the man of Israel and the woman through her belly. So the plague was saved from the children of Israel. And those that died in the plague were how many? 24,000. God had blessed them. There was nothing, nothing that Balaam could do against them. But what happened? Somebody tell me what happened. Anybody know what happened? They went over there. They were invited to the, to the uh, sacrifice of these false gods. And who put them over there? Come on, talk to me. Who put them over there? God put them over there? They went over there on their own to the sacrifice. And even though Balaam could not do anything to hinder the blessing of God upon the children of Israel, who hindered the blessing? They did it to themselves. And so what does the devil use against us? Our own self. Our own desires. And that's why we need to understand what Eve went through. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. Then we're going to go a little bit further. Genesis chapter 3. This is the temptation. Let me tell you something. Even though you're in the will of God, the devil will not leave you alone. Don't think that just because you're in the will of God, you say, well, Satan's coming at me this way, and Satan's coming at me that way. That's what he's going to do. Jesus was in the will of God. The Bible said that he was led into the wilderness to fast and to be tempted of who? The devil. And who came against him? The devil. And then when he couldn't get Jesus, what did it say? It said he left Jesus for a while until when? Until a more opportune time. The devil is always looking for an opportunity. He is an opportunist, and we cannot give him the opportunity to trip us up. We cannot give him the opportunity to steal from us. If anybody is, if, if anybody is stolen from, it's that person that allowed themselves to be stolen from. The devil can't take you and make you do nothing. Flip Wilson used to say, what? When he had that Geraldine character. The devil made me do it. No, the devil didn't make us do it. We made us do it. I can show you in the word of God, and I've already showed you some of it. That we stand in our own way because we do not get our own desires in check. Because we don't crucify our own flesh. When that, when that flesh comes against us and that flesh says, Ooh, I'd like to go watch this movie, but I know it's really hard. But, you know, I mean, deep over there at his house and rev over there at his house. And they're not going to know. Huh? 
Is, is, is bad enough that the devil comes against us with all kinds of stuff? Don't give him a, 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 a stone to throw at you. Don't give him a stick to hit you with. Huh? Jesus said that the prince of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. Don't, nothing that he has is appealing to me. But we're not going to get there on our own, in our own flesh. It will take the power of the Holy Spirit to bring us to that point where we can say no, 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 I'm not doing that, no, I'm not doing that, no, I'm not doing that either. That takes the power of the Holy Spirit because Paul said there is nothing good that dwells in me. That is, he explains it, he said that is in my flesh. There's nobody that's going to get so big that, that, they, that, that they can't get tripped up now. There's nobody that's going to get to be an apostle, evangelist, and, and bishop, and all that, and the devil's going to say, oh, you're a bishop, I'm not going to mess with you. You're a bishop, I'm not going to mess with you. You're anointed, I'm not going to mess with you. If he came after Jesus, how much more do we think that the devil is not going to come after you and I? And he does not come announce. He doesn't knock on your door. Huh? He comes in ways that if you're not spiritually in tune, if you don't have your discernment working, then you will not recognize him because he'll come through a friend. Look, look at what happened to Job. Job. Job was going through all the things that he was going through, and then the devil went up there to accuse. You know he is the accuser of the brother, right, Deke? He'll get up there and say, oh, yeah, Deke, uh, he's serving you because. Oh, yeah, he loves you because, and all that kind of stuff, and all these false accusations, right? So the devil went up there to God and said, you know, if you touch his flesh, he'll curse you to your face. You've taken everything he has, but touch that body, touch that flesh, put him in some pain, and he'll curse you to your face. And what did, what did God say? Go ahead, Satan. Just spare his life. Don't touch his life. Isn't that right? But what's the next thing that happened? Let me show you how the devil will come at, at you through people. What's the next thing that happened? Job's wife, Miss Job, comes in the room where Job is all full of boils and sores and going. He, maybe he probably didn't even sleep. Job was talking about, I cursed the day I was born. I wish I had never been born. I wish... Curses the day that they said that my mother was going to bear me and all this kind of stuff. Job was in pain. He was in pain emotionally because he had lost his children. He lost his cattle. He lost everything he had. He was in pain. Job was suffering. And on top of that, here comes his wife. The one that's supposed to comfort him and say, baby, it's going to be all right. Keep serving the Lord. Just, just keep believing. And then she comes in there and she says, look at you. <laughs> look at you, Job. Huh? Let's get a mirror. Here we go. Take care of yourself. You look bad. You know what you ought to do, Joe? You know what you ought to do? You ought to curse God and die. Now, who had just said those words? Huh? Satan? Satan had just said those words. So what did those words that filled Joe's wife's mouth come from? Satan. When Jesus was about to go to the cross and Peter said, Oh no, Lord, you're not going to go to the cross. You're not going to suffer. And this, that, and the other. Jesus said, what? Get behind me, Peter. No, he didn't. He said, get behind me, Satan. I see you. I recognize you. I know who you are. I know who operating through you. Come and say what you want, but I know who operating through you. Huh? Jesus said, you do not savor the things of God, but you savor the things that be of man. You're more concerned, if you look at it in Greek, you're more concerned about the interests of men 
and your self-interest than you are the interest of God. Why? Because Peter did have, didn't get himself in check yet. He didn't get his, uh, his, his flesh in check. Now you know there's the devil, everything going on. Cell phones everywhere. <laughs> Number seven. <laughs> That's all right. Genesis chapter 3. I know it's not the first lady got that cell phone going off. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 3. What does it say in verse 1? Verse 1. It might be my phone. <laughs> okay, well, it's my phone. Now, hold on. All right. Okay, I apologize, baby. All right. That's my alarm. I had to pick my wife up last night. Amen. I had to take me a nap. My head was hurting so bad. Okay. Genesis chapter 3. She's going to get me when I get home. No word. Genesis chapter 3 says, Now the serpent was more what? Was more subtle than any piece of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto who? The woman. Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said, what, unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden. Now let me stop right there for a minute. God didn't hide that tree, did he? He didn't put it in the corner, did he? He didn't put anything over it, did he? Huh? Why? Because he expected for Adam and Eve to do what he said to be able to control themselves to the point to where they did not touch that tree or eat from that tree. God doesn't hide anything from us. He said be in the world but not of the world. Isn't that right? God's not going to take, well, you know, you need to take all of these evil things out of the world. No, we need to take all the evil out of us. Because it doesn't matter how many evil things are in the world, but if it has no attraction to us, if it has no draw and no pull, because our hearts are pure, they can sit there all day long. Huh? Those that drink, I just can't help myself. I just have to drink. I just have to drink. You know what I mean? And, and that bottle sit there all day long. It'll gather dust. When, that, when the power of the Holy Spirit has taken that thing out of us, it doesn't matter. Here, bro, have a drink. I don't think so. Have a smoke. I don't believe so. I'll see you later. That's not my type of uh, activity. Amen? Where will we at? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the tree, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in where? In the midst, in the middle of the garden. God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. What did God say when he created man? He said, let me create man in my own image, in my own likeness. So you mean to tell me the devil telling you, if you do this, then you're going to be like God? You're already like God. Okay, verse 6. And when the woman saw 
that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes. Pleasant to what? The eyes. And a tree to be what? Desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. Why did Eve eat of that tree? She was listening to Satan, but she was listening to something else. She was listening to her desires. She was listening to her flesh. Isn't that right? Let me tell you something. Let me show you who will always have to deal with this guy right here. We'll always have to deal with him. Because he's always going to come after us. And those that you think are so righteous and holy and all of that, sometimes are the ones you got to look out for. What is, what is the, the serpent's M.O.? How many know what that is? M.O., method of operation. What is the serpent's method of operation? He's subtle. He's crafty. And the Hebrew word, Aaron, very cunning. Very tricky. Huh? That's why Jesus said men, meaning men and women, are always to pray and not to faint. The devil has studied you. And let me tell you something. When two men are boxing in a boxing ring, I used to sit on the edge of the bed with my daddy and watch the uh, boxing matches. And we sit up there, you know, getting into it, and he's doing that, and I'm right next to him doing all this stuff. And, 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 and one opponent is beating the other one. And then the other ones come back and gain some control over the situation and start beating him. But what's the number one thing that an opponent does to another opponent before they even get in the ring? They study them. They study their weaknesses. And they study their strengths. But they especially try to capitalize on their weaknesses. So where is the devil going to hit you at the most? He's going to hit you where you're weak at. Now, the problem in the church is a lot of times we have not been instructed in how the devil operates. Isn't that right? Y'all don't get scared. Now, I'm just telling you. We have not been instructed on how the devil operates. Because Paul said that we are, speaking of Christians, we are not ignorant of his devices. How many people have heard the saying, what you don't know won't hurt you. One of the biggest lies ever told. One of the biggest lies ever told. Not the biggest one, but one of them. Because scientists, Jesus said sometimes the children of the world is more wise than the children of the kingdom. Scientists figured out years ago that cigarette smoking causes cancer. But before them, before then, most people were doing this. It was fashionable to smoke. It was cute. All the movie stars, the gangsters, and all those people smoked and all that kind of thing. My daddy smoked for 55 years. He was born in 1918. He smoked for 55 years. But then they discovered, hey, this is going on. Did it start going on when they discovered it? It had been going on for a long, long, long time. A long time. And so we have to know how the devil operates because some people think some of his ways and tricks is innocent. Some of y'all get mad with me right along in here. Some of us think that it's all right to read a horoscope because that's what we desire to do. Huh? The zodiac. What is a zodiac? 
If you look up the word zodiac, it means a circle of animals. What were the what were Balaam's uh, Balak's people doing? Worshiping idols. What got them? In, what got the children of Israel in trouble? Going over there messing with the stuff that they mess with. That's why God said, "Come out from among them and be separate." And touch not the unclean thing. And then I will be a God to you. And you will be my people. So what's going to happen if I do touch the unclean thing? Then he's not going to be a God to me. And, I, and I'm not going to be one of his people. Isn't that right? Lord have mercy. Now let me say this. Because one of the things that I don't like. Is when I grew up. I thought that Rev was like right next to God. I mean, Jesus was at his right hand, Rev was probably at his left hand. I'm talking about my pastor when I grew up. We looked at Rev like he didn't go through temptations. Like he didn't go through problems. Like the devil never fooled with him because he was such a mighty man of God. How many know that the first place the devil want to get to is right up there? That's the first place. Trip the preacher up. Jesus said if you, if you smite the shepherd, then the sheep will be scattered. Isn't that right? You want to get the head first. But just because we get saved does not mean that our desires automatically are not holy. All our desires are holy. All our desires are righteous. Oh, we don't think about nothing but good stuff. You know, we don't think about nothing but righteous stuff. Can, can we be real? They got people that come to church Sunday after Sunday, dressed up, looking good. But yet they're fighting battles on the inside. They, they, they might not never tell you anything about, but they're fighting battles with themselves. With that flesh. But if I could just get my flesh to act right, Lord, you know I'm going to serve you. But if I could just get my flesh to act right, if I could just get my flesh to line up with my spirit, and the only way to do that is when God shows us an area in our life, submit that thing to God. Be honest with him. Lord, look, I'm struggling with this. I'm fighting with this. I need your help. Because I cannot come out of this thing by myself. It might not be in a deep, dark sin, but it's enough to keep you out of the will of God. Isn't that right? We have to, we have to be, be real. All of us fight. Rev fight. Deacons fight. The ushers fight. All of us fight. Deaconess fight. We all fight about it. What, what did we read? We all are running in a race, and we all have to keep this flesh under control because sometimes this flesh will get crazy. Think about some crazy stuff to do. Huh? Isn't that right? So, Paul said, I keep under my body. What did it mean when Paul said, I keep under my body? He said, I beat my body. When he said, in, in, the, in the Greek, it's bucket. We have to buffet our body. We have to learn how to say no to that wrong desire and say yes to Jesus. Isn't that right? You see, the trick is, the devil always shows us this thing and, and, and we, you know, how pleasurable it is. And he was talking to Eve and look at the fruit, it's pretty and all that kind of stuff. And it's delicious and all of that. But guess what? The Bible said that it's the passing pleasures of sin. These things don't last forever. So you mean to tell me, let me give you an example. You mean to tell me I'm going to throw away the anointing of God? I'm going to throw away everything God did in my life for one moment of pleasure. Huh? What happened with Jacob and Esau? Esau said, look, if you give me your birthright, I'll give you my birthright if you just give me some of that soup. Ain't that right? One bowl of soup. Why? 
Because he was famished, the Bible said. Because he was hungry. He wanted some of that soup. He wanted some of that venison. Isn't that right? Because he was given to his flesh. If you look up the word Esau in the, in the Hebrew, it's talking about a, a fleshly person. It's talking about a person that's given to his desires. Y'all know what I'm talking about? That he was given to his desires. So he gave up his birthright to get his flesh satisfied. What are we willing, what are we willing to give up? To get our flesh satisfied, to get that desire satisfied. What are we willing to give up in God to just get that one moment of satisfaction? Huh? When Jesus was going to the garden, you think he wanted to go to the cross? You think his desires wanted him to go to the cross? You think his flesh wanted him to go to the cross? Jesus said, I don't want to go. If there's any way possible, let this cup pass from me. He said, nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. See, that's the place where all of us have to come to, where it's not what we want, but it's what he wants. Because your flesh does not want to do what God wants it to do. Isn't that right? Okay, let's, let's turn to uh, Romans chapter 7. Let me show you Paul again. What time we got, D? 10-2. All right. Romans chapter 7. How many of y'all getting some out of the word? The Apostle Paul. Paul kept it real. I like people that keep it real. Come on. And they're like, like they're way up here when they know they still bad and they're still struggling. And you know what? Let me tell you something about being honest about our struggles. It will help that person that's not as far along in God as what we are. Because the devil will take and harp on them and tell them, you look, you're supposed to be a Christian. You gave your life to Jesus. And look at you. You're out here doing this and you're doing that. And you're sinning and all that kind of stuff. And isolate them away from everybody else so he can beat up on them. And make them feel like that God don't even love them. But when someone comes along and says, well, look, this is my struggle. This is what I'm going through. This is how God helps me. So then it gives them hope that now I can make it too. Because I'm not the only one going through this. The devil is trying to make a person seem like they're just so bad. All by yourself on an island. On an island, all by yourself. And he'll take and remind you, yeah, you did this, and you did that, and you did that, and you did this. Huh? And so when someone comes along and says, look, I've been in God 30 years, but I still, I still have to fight. I still have to battle. I still have to go through things. But God brings me through each and every battle. Let me show you how I fight. Isn't that right? I'm not going to talk about them. I'm going to show them how to battle. I'm going to show them how to do it. Get down on me and pray. Whatever the devil comes against you and, and accuse you of this and accuse you of that, take that Bible and throw it, give it right back to him. When he came against Jesus, what did Jesus use? He said, it is written. It is written. It is written. I don't have nothing else to tell you, devil, except for God. Say, it is written. Romans chapter 7, verse Seven. Paul says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, thou shalt not covet. And what Paul is saying, that the law showed him himself. He showed the law uh, put light on what was going on in his life. Isn't that right? 
You can't see it until the Bible says, look, don't covet. Oh, yeah, wait a minute. I have been doing that. I have been coveting, huh? But unless the law had came, we would never see how dirty we really are. Isn't that right? But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, for without the law, sin was what? Dead. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived, and I did what? I died. And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death, because Paul could not keep the law in and of himself. None of us can keep this word in our own power and in our own strength. For sin taking occasion by the commandment deceived me, and by it slew me. Verse 12, wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy and just and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid, but sin that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful, that I might see my actions for what they are. Verse 14, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am what? What does that mean? That means I'm fleshly. That means I'm made of flesh. That means I have desire. That means I, I get angry. That means I have all these things dwelling in me. Isn't that right? Sold under sin. For that which I do allow not, for what I would that I do not. Huh? But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Verse 17. Now, then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. We got to learn how to get control of those impulses and those desires and those, and those feelings and all that kind of stuff. Verse 18. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth what? What dwells in us? No good thing. For to will is present with me. To, the want to is there. It's present with me. But how to perform that which is good, what? I find not. Because I, it's not in us to do good. Isn't that right? Some of us agree. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law. That when I would do good, evil is where? Evil is always present with us. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Isn't that right? But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. Oh, wretched man. This is the conclusion that Paul comes to about himself, that apostle that we love so much. He said, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I serve the, the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. What did Paul say? He said, look, there's a, there's, there's a battle that's going on. There's a war that's going on inside of me. And let me tell you something. No matter how anointed we are, and no matter how long we've been in the Lord, there is a battle that's going on, and there is a battle that will continue to go on until we leave this earth. 
But whether or not we win this battle or not is up to you and I. Isn't that right? The Bible said, Paul said, I thank God through Jesus Christ. That's the only one that's going to help us get our desires in check. That's the only one that's going to help us to walk that straight line. That's the only one that's going to help us to love our neighbors when they do us wrong and all that kind of stuff. Because, you know, there are some people that will cause your flesh to just rise up. Huh? The Bible said, be angry, but sin not. not. Isn't that right? And that takes a whole lot of Jesus. I was telling a young fellow at work, I said, you know, the Bible said that we are to live at peace with all men. The Bible says, as much as lieth within you, live at peace with all men. But there are some people that don't look, just look like they don't want you to be at peace with them. Huh? Come at you all kind of ways. And you know that that's nothing but the devil. Because, once again, when, person, when a person come at you out of the blue, and you wonder, what it, man, where did that come from? I wasn't even doing them anything. What? I was minding my own business. And then they come with that. Huh? The devil knows what buttons to push. Satan knows what buttons to push. And he'll put the right people around at the right time when you get ready to give a piece of your mind. Huh? And that person that you've been witnessing to and that person that you've been living before, some of us, people are watching us and we don't even know it. On our job, in our neighborhood, in our family, and some of them might be that close to coming to Jesus. Isn't that right? And here come this one. Pushing buttons. Why? Not just so they can you could get tripped up, but so that they will be stopped at the door from coming into the kingdom. And the devil's going to tell them, look, this, look, see? See what I said? Told you. Told you. Uh-huh. Go to church, and that, that's the main one clapping their hands and jumping up and down and all that kind of stuff. I, I, I told you. Told you. See? If you just wait long enough, I told you it would come out. <laughs> So all of us, all of us have to deal with things. Christians, anointed people, people on our way to heaven, we still have to deal with the flesh. And every day, it's a, it's a daily battle. Paul said, I die daily. It's not one day that you and I can let down our guard. It's not one day that you and I don't need to check on our flesh and make sure that we, we still, you know, and there's a difference. I notice a difference when I get into my prayer closet and I spend time with God and I spend time in His presence. I'm not, I'm not talking about 10 minutes, oh Lord, da -da 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 -da, and then gone. I'm talking about spend time with Him and in His presence. And then when I come out, it's harder for somebody to make me angry. I know that's right. I just feel like blessing. Oh, God bless you. Cursing me out, God bless you, man. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praying for you. Huh? Praying for you. Got you on the top of my prayer list. Huh? No. Not angry at all. And God is expecting for us to live a certain way. Yes, He is. He's expecting us to live according to His Word. He's expecting for us to get a hold of ourselves. One of the fruits of the Spirit is what? Self control. You can't control what somebody else does to you. 
You can't control what they put on TV and all those advertisements, all that kind of stuff that make you hungry, make you want to go out and get a burger or whatever. You can't control all of that, but you can control you. Huh? I can decide, no, I'm not going to live that way. I'm not going to give you a piece of my mind. Is that right? The proof is in the pudding, but the Bible talks about the works of the flesh. It talks about anger. It talks about witchcraft. It talks about variance. It talks about all those things, lust and all those kind of things. And then it talks about the fruit of the spirit. You know that there's the works of the flesh and there's the fruit of the spirit. What's the difference? Fruit takes time to grow. Isn't that right? That don't mean that you're going to get it overnight. It's a process. It's a growing process. The Bible said that we're changed from what? From glory to glory. Isn't that right? And so every day is a, is a little change and another little change and another little change. And all of a sudden, we're not where we were five years ago. We're not where we were ten years ago. But there's a change in our life because God has, by his spirit, has, has, has grown fruit in our lives. Jesus said, I've chosen you that you might do what? Go and bear fruit. And that your fruit might remain. Isn't that right? God is working on us. But the key, the key to it is we have to allow him to work. In every area. God told, and I'm closing with this. God told Abraham, give me eyes. Give me that thing that you love the most. Huh? He didn't say give me second best. He said, give me the one that you love the most. What is the problem of man to gain the whole world, gain all of his desires, and lose his soul? Isn't that right? I'm going to give God whatever I love. Everything that I love, I'm going to give it to him. Everything that affects me, I'm going to give it to him. All of my heart, I'm going to give it to him. Isn't that right? And that's what God wants. That's what God wants from us. He said, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He said, to, to give God yourself as a what? A living sacrifice. And what happens with a sacrifice? Huh? When it's, when it's put on the altar, the whole thing is burnt up. Every desire is burnt up. Everything. Huh? That's what God wants. God wants to consume our lives, our whole lives. Not just part of it, but the whole thing. All of our desires, all of our wants, all of our dreams, everything given to him. Isn't that right? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we, we want to be pleasing to you. Lord, and we know that the only way to be pleasing to you is to give you all of our life, the whole thing, Lord, all of our desires, all of our wishes, all of our dreams. Lord, to give up everything for you. Lord Jesus, you said that if a man would come after you, he must first deny himself, deny his desires, deny his dreams, deny his wants. Deny his wishes. Otherwise, Lord, there's going to be a conflict of interest. Lord, your will is going to be pulling one way and our will is going to be pulling another way. But, Lord, help us to give you our whole heart, Lord, to where wherever you want to bring us, whatever you want to do in our lives, Lord, there's no longer a struggle. There's no longer a fight. We're not fighting with you, Lord, but we say yes. Because, Lord, we say we want to die on that cross. We want this world to be crucified to us 
and us being crucified to the world. And Lord, that's where your anointing comes in. That's where people are able to be powerful people in God because they have died to themselves, because they have died to their own desires, because they have died to their own wishes, because they've given you everything. And there's nothing that they're holding back. They don't hold back their children, their wives, their home, their money. They don't hold back anything from you. Lord, if we're going to be anything in you, we have to give everything to you. So, Father, we thank you right now. Lord, continue to work in our lives. Continue to mold us and to make us. Put us on that wheel, Lord, until your likeness is seen in our lives. Lord Jesus, bring us to a place where we look like you, Lord. Not by our outward apparel, but Lord, our character, our mind, our thinking, the way we live. Everything is like you. Lord, you won't accept anything less. You don't want religion, Lord. You want relationship. Father, I pray that you would do it, Lord. Do it, Father. Lord, this world is waiting on somebody that's going to stand up for Jesus and be counted and be different and live the righteous kind of life that you desire for us to live, Lord. Father, as we go from this place but never from your presence, Lord, I pray that you would keep us. Keep us safe on the road, Lord. Let there be no accidents, no flat tires, no break, broken down cars, Father. No, Lord, just let your angels encamp round about us, Lord. Let your anointing rest upon us. Father, we thank you right now. Lord, I thank you for breath. I thank you for being on this earth. I thank you, Father, for the activities of my limbs. I thank you, Lord, that I'm able to open my mouth and open my eyes. Lord, I'm able to hear out of my ears. I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the wife that you've given me, Lord. I thank you. Thank you that she's my friend, that she's my companion, that she's everything, Lord. Thank you, Father, that a wife is supposed to be. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, keep us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.